Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. As usual, I got some guests with me today. First, we got Brian. Say what's up to the people, Brian. What's up? I want chicken McNuggets. I'm very hungry. (laughs) And then after that, we got Kaylee. Hello. And then right after that, George. I also want chicken McNuggets. I'm also on the train. (laughs) All right. Hell yeah, brother. Oh. <laughs> All right, so we don't got chicken nuggets just yet, but we can feast on these topics instead. So without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Um, last game, the Heat pulled off another upset after beating the 76ers on the road by five. This improved their record to 17 and 12 while holding on to the five seed. Leading the way, you got Gabe Vincent, who had 26 points, seven three-pointers, and three assists. Duncan Robinson with 21 points, four three-pointers of his own, eight rebounds, and three assists. Kyle Lowry with 14 points, six rebounds, and five assists. P.J. Tucker with 12 points and four rebounds. And last but not least, Dwayne Dedman with 10 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Considering the fact that Miami is still without Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, while also not having Tyler Hero as well for this game, how impressed are you guys with this Miami Heat victory? Start us off, George. I'd be more impressed if we had chicken nuggets here, but if we don't, then this is what we've got to go off. What a win. What a way to start. Um, COVID has decimated our league and injuries as well. And to come out versus a team who still had Harris, Tybal, and B, Seth Curry, Maxi, basically the entire starting lineup without um, the big baby Ben Simmons, big baby Ben. Um, we we just imp- I was so impressed watching us just play. Duncan Robertson, fantastic, well done. He 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 didn't shoot the ball fantastic, but he he was getting double teamed all night. Was showing a lot of heart, a lot of determination to get open looks when he could. Um, paired that with eight rebounds as well, was which was fantastic. Dwayne Dedman, oh my God. Thank God for Dwayne Dedman. I said it four, five years ago. Five years ago when I was watching him play for the Magic, I was sitting here going, I, we need someone like this to come off the bench for us. 
And this is back when we had Whiteside. So I've been a fan of him for a long time. To get 14 boards as well, two offensive, five assists, good passing for a big man as well. Only get three fouls as well. Well done. Um, Gabe Vincent, what are you going to say? Just what a star off the bench for us. Um, I called at the start of the season in our first pod of the season. He's going to be our um, our X factor moving in because we needed scoring off the bench and everyone was questioning our depth for years. Um, and, and especially now coming into the league um, when Kyle Lowry didn't have a good game, like he did today, he didn't have a good game at all. Played the most minutes out of anyone except for Duncan Robertson. Um, only had put up 14 points. He, he has a, a knack for doing this against the Sixers as well. Some of the threes he was making were unbelievable. But again, all of the props, all of my respect goes to PJ Tucker. It, everyone gives as much praise that give as much praise as you want to to Vincent to Duncan to anyone, but Tucker brings it night in night out. And I actually bookmarked a um a, a tweet from Udon- that uh, Udonis Haslam um said. He goes, what what doesn't he do? He might lead us in offensive rebounds. He's taking charges. He pick, he switches on pick and rolls. He accepts every matchup. He never complains about plays. He only complains about bad defense. That's the kind of team that I want. That's those were UD's words, and we should take them as gospel because he's been our anchor and just the guy that, to do it all for us. And I, I can't give him enough respect. Right. And then what about you, Kaylee? Well, <laughs> for me, as many people know, um, I'm a fan of both Heat and Sixers. So this game was very interesting for me, especially seeing how the Sixers technically are at full health um, whenever they were playing on their roster, even though like, like basically like Curry and Joel shouldn't have played because they are not like a hundred percent physically. Um, it was still interesting to see. Cause I was kind of like, I feel like even if um, the Sixers have like a full bench playing um, or like a full team playing, I feel like the heat still somehow like can like just out one out one them you know so then I feel like that's basically what happened and in a way I was happy because I was like it to me it's great to see that um the bench can like step up and like do amazing things and Gabe Benson can literally just like demolish <laughs> Sixers <clears throat> defense as if it's nothing and um and then I like I it was really interesting to see like the dynamic between um what's it called? Like, uh, Matisse and, uh, Duncan, uh, like they kept having like tips and random stuff like that. Like, I feel like Matisse really couldn't find an answer for Duncan, which is again, great for the heat. And, um, yeah. And even though like Kyle Lowry didn't have like that amazing of a game, he was still able to really just kind of like confuse the defense of the Sixers. That it was, it was honestly the, the defense of the Sixers was barely even there from what I saw. And, um, and then of course, I don't think they've been had an answer for, for PJ either, which is also super freaking amazing. It's awesome to see. Um, and yeah, like anytime, I feel like that's the thing too. Like a lot of the times I had to like do something during the game. So like, I kind of just was hearing the audio for most of the time, but I kept hearing like so many different things of like, and then like we have, PJ doing something crazy and then we have fucking business doing something crazy and I'm like wow like this is like kind of crazy how like they're like showing up it's not like it's like like little like um basic plays it's like very like aggressive and like tough shots contested shots and like uh what's it called like fouling with purpose and stuff like that so it was really interesting to just see like um how much 
like uh at least in my view as being fans of both like the Sixers can be very semi-cocky with their defense thinking that they can like hold people down sometimes but if you just run something slightly different or just kind of have something that they haven't really planned for then I feel like it's really easy to kind of like break them down pretty fast and that's to me that's basically what happened and like the, he just took full advantage guns blazing and just demolished them I think they even kept them to a like 11 point lead for most of the time which is crazy but yeah those are my thoughts Right, and how about you, Brian? I feel like that game probably lost a lot of people a lot of money because there's no way the Heat should have won that game. I mean, they basically ran out of G League lineup, you know, save for Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker and, you know, uh, Ducker Robinson, Dwayne Dedman. But I, I, I don't even know how that game happened. Like, I don't know how Gabe Vincent turned into Damian Lillard versus what should be one of the better defenses in the NBA, but it happened, which is insane. And, uh, you know, the Heat have done this before. I don't know what it is, but they played shorthanded versus the Sixers, and they made the games really, really competitive or won. And I just, like, I don't know. My brain is still wondering, like, did the Sixers show up and just not care about that game? Did they walk in thinking like, ah, we're basically playing a G League team, so we should be able to walk in? I mean, it's great. Like, all credit to the Heat, by the way. Like, I'm not taking anything away from the Heat. Like, you show up, you play, and it's the better team that night, and the Heat were the better team that night. It's like, you know, you saw people on the timeline talking about this was culture personified as a game, and it kind of was. This was like the ultimate culture game. Um, you know, coming coming into the season, I've kind of, you know, poo-pooed the Heat's depth and, you know, for it to shine through on a night like this, I think is important. I think it's important for guys like Gabe Vincent to get those reps. I think it's important to have nights where, you know, Duncan Robinson can be effective in other ways outside of shooting. And for guys like Dwayne Dedman to really make an impact uh, gets one of the best centers in the league um, because it only helps the Heat going forward. It really, really does. You know, when you get Jimmy and Bam and Hero back, um, you know, they're going to be fantastic, you know, as as they've been all season. But these other guys now have the experience to step in and make an impact, you know. And, I I, like, I I think it's just a really, really great game, you know, for the Heat's other players, you know, for, I guess, what we'd be said the other guys, and just, you know, for the morale of the team going forward. Um, shows that, you know, when they're on, they could be competitive with anybody. So big, big props to them for pulling that game out. Um, it was much, much needed. Right. And I know, uh, George, you got something you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to add to, you know, to what we we're talking about before something that Brian said, every time we versus sixes, <clears throat> we're always missing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, either Jimmy or, or hero or bam. Now, Usually, with any other team, we struggle massively. We saw it with um, with teams before when we were shorthanded, uh, being you know less less aggressive, less um, uh, inclined to to put the ball the ball on the, on the ground and dribble. Um, usually, just pulling up for bad threes. But the Sixers won us this game. In all in all honesty, they got out rebounded by nine. You're letting um, Duncan and and Lowry combined for 14 rebounds, which is just should never happen. You've got all they had all the pieces to make it work, but we always, always find a way to 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 keep it competitive, keep it close and win. 
uh, most of the time, especially last year. We would have won last year as well if Joel Embiid didn't carry that ball, which everyone still remember. That's what Peter Stephen posted about it yesterday um, when he did that obvious carry with eight seconds left to, and then they ended up winning the game in overtime. But they, they, they took some of the worst shots, ill-advised shots I've ever seen. For a team that was basically full health, besides Maxi, they looked, and, and, and even Tobias Harris, they looked helpless for, for three out of the four quarters. They looked helpless. They were just chucking up anything that they could get and, and hope to God it, it, it splashed, but it never worked for them. Right. And then I know, Kaylee, you got something else that you want to add? Yeah, like, um, I completely agree with what George said when it came to, like, shot making for the Sixers. It was honestly kind of cringe to see for my part because I knew that, like, um, I'm a big advocator for Maxi, just giving Maxi the ball and let him do what he does because that's something that, like, I feel that I even with just not even the, the heat, but I feel like any team can't really find an answer for Maxi, like he's just way too quick. And sometimes he just, you just catches you off guard, but everyone else, I was just kind of like, guys, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Like, even if I wasn't a huge fan of the Sixers, it's just an embarrassing way to kind of play a game, you know? So it was like, and I knew like a lot of um, tweets on like Sixers Twitter, were just kind of like, I'm surprised they're not booing them at this point. Cause it's like, it's, it was embarrassing to see. Um, but yeah, terrible shots, really awkward defense um non-reliable playmaking and i'm pretty sure doc was just scratching his head of like but i thought this was supposed to be a g league type of game but yeah <laughs> that's, those are my thoughts and then like um quick thing that i want to add was you know i tweeted this on the heat versus the world account last night when miami was up by like 20 something i was waiting for the let's go heat chance you know if we had that going on in the 76ers arena that would have made my night complete I mean, for the fans who have been saying, oh, you know, we're still going to be the better team, whether the Heat have Jimmy or not, a couple of years ago, to them chanting that in their own arena, like, that would have just made my night perfect. But, you know, it is what it is, and I'll take the W myself. And I know, Brian, you got something that you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say that, uh, again, I want to give full credit to the Heat. Like, they they beat the Sixers, but their play the Sixers play is confusing like I, there was one possession where Embiid gets the rebound he brings the ball up and he immediately shoots a three with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock and it's like why why wh- when did you become I mean he can knock down open threes but it's kind of like the Anthony Davis syndrome where it's like dude you're 7-1 crazy athletic way stronger than Dwayne Dedman why why would you do that like I don't and in versus the heat zone, like the best way to break zones is to get in the middle of the zone. And you're one of the best people. Like, come on, bro. Like, like, I don't understand why Embiid would be afraid to park his ass in the middle of the zone, you know, get, catch the ball. And you're going up against Dwayne Denton. Like what, why, in what world do you think that taking that floating out, you know, from 15 feet to the three point ranges is, is the most efficient offense that you could generate. I just, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. It, it confuses me, but whatever you take the W <laughs> I, guess, I guess off of a uh, dumb basketball, but Hey. <laughs> and then Kaylee, how about you? I know you got something you want to add. 
No, yeah, because like I completely agree. Like that's what I was just saying like a short while ago that I was like, it was just so like, it was so awkward. I don't know what it was. I really don't know. I feel like honestly, most likely it was most of like Doc's weird plays that he was trying to somehow accomplish as a way as a solution of trying to like kind of gain points but I'm like dude like it just it made no sense like Toby was doing some really awkward like run-ins and that kept missing or just getting blocked easily because like yeah we have literally Deadman right there of course it's gonna get blocked and then like they would put Joel in these really weird zones and I'm kind of like why is he all the way over here why is he taking a shot with still like 15 seconds left it was the most weirdest cringiest way of playing I have genuinely no idea what happened and that's with me like following most of their games and knowing how they play too. So I'm like, if I'm shocked, I can't even imagine like the rest of the people in like the Sixers fandom, how they feel. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it was weird. That's all I have to say. <laughs> right. Right. And I agree with you guys a hundred percent, you know, but last night it was just such an amazing game and, you know, you just couldn't help but feel so happy. Like, well, like what you said, Brian earlier, like, this game felt that it personified heat culture. And to just watch this team do what they did, you know, without Jimmy, without Bam, without Tyler, you know, it was just such a great thing to watch. And, you know, it helps me go into this next topic that I want to talk about. And it's something that I hope we see very soon. And that's something is seeing a fully healthy Miami Heat team. Without our best players, Miami has been able to pick up some challenging wins, including this last win against Philly and last week's win against the Bucks. Considering how good this Heat team has played, even when dealing with all of these injuries, should this be considered as a message to the league regarding how absolutely dangerous this team will be when everyone on the Heat is active? Kick us off, Brian. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this win is, because again, I think that it's not like I think that if we saw this team play full 82, it would very clearly be a lottery team. Uh, but I think that fully healthy, this heat team is one of the best in the Eastern Conference for sure. Like, I, I mean, prior to them having their injury issues, I mean, they were one of the top teams in the East. Um, so I think that when everyone comes back, yeah, they'll, they'll be really, really good. They're going to be a tough out. Now, I still feel that the East goes through Brooklyn and there was a report recently about there being some optimism about Kyrie coming back. And if that happens, then it's, you know, it's basically curtains for everybody in the East. Um, you know, you still got to give props to, you know, or, or credit to the bucks, you know, they're the champion. So until somebody takes that, that, that chip away from them, you know, they, you, you have to give them the respect of, uh, of being fa- second favorites to the, to the net. So listen, after those two teams, it's anybody it's anybody's conference like the heat i think can beat any team that's not the nets or the bucks um and they can honestly push the nets and the bucks in a series i probably wouldn't pick them but yeah so i think that everybody knows that this team is is basically health away from being one of the most dangerous teams in the conference um it's just a matter of getting there you know when when will they be healthy i don't know but i think that the positive is that while you know, these injuries are not great. Um, they're happening early in the season, right? So all the while, Jimmy and Bam and Hero are getting rest. Um, same can't be said about Kyle and PJ, who are older, who you probably do want resting. But your three best players right now 
are going to be able to make a, a very, very solid push in that second in that second half of the of the year. So they'll be good, man. They'll be good. Like I said, it's just a matter of time. Right. And then how about you, George? I'm extremely optimistic about this team. I've always been um, a big advocate of of our, of our uh, off-season moves and acquisitions, and I think it's come to play. We, when we were healthy, we were dominant. We were dominant. I'll never forget the first game we played, and we just went out there and did our thing. And Lowry just showed us that we were struggling without a pure point guard. Um, things that Goran, even though he was amazing, and I love him to bits, and I always – Consider him one of the great, you know, one of our best point guards in history. Um, there's certain things that he couldn't bring compared to Kyle. When this team is healthy, I don't care if if Brooklyn has Kyrie. We showed last year when Bam single-handedly took them and beat them. He had that game-winning three against them. Um, when we didn't have Jimmy in that game, um, that we could actually, we can do it. We, we, we're proving it against some of the other top teams in the East. Because Philadelphia, I, I don't care. If Ben Simmons is not playing, they're still a very good team. And to beat them without, you know, without Hero, without Jimmy, without Bam, without Martin, Depot, everyone. If this team is healthy, there's no doubt in my mind that we can make it out of the East if if we actually put everything together. We've already beat the Bucks twice this year. In one time without anyone. And it was hilarious to watch. There's... There, I st- I agree with Brian when it, when it says when he says that um the East does r- run through Brooklyn because when you talk about star talent that's what they've got but the rest of their team is extremely shorthanded and they they've shown it so they've shown their weakness um it's it's things that we do better it's the same thing with the Cavs the Cavs destroyed us the other day because the things that we do bad they did amazing. And it's the exact same with the Brooklyn Nets. The things that they do bad, we do even better. We do we do fantastic in. So I think that when this team can, is healthy and they get enough rest under their belt, um, I think when everyone does come back, which will be around just post-Christmas, um, middle to late January as well, with uh, Old Depot and Bam, that we can start to rest players like PJ and players like um, Lowry as well. Even if you've done some time off, because he did play 39 minutes yesterday. So with whatever happens, I'm still very, very optimistic that this team can make a good run. Uh, I think we're still the, one of the most dangerous teams in, in the entire NBA. So we'll see what we have to do from there. Right. And how about you, Kelly? How do you feel? Um, so I remember in like the, one of the first podcasts that I, I guess here, like I, I talked on here, I literally mentioned how like, even though we were like on a high from like the first week of like winning some back-to-back games, going on this whole winning streak, whenever we were all healthy and everything was happy. I was like, I just had that looming fear of like, but whenever we get injured, what's going to happen? Cause it's inevitable whenever you have like, you know, everyone plays aggressive. I knew that was going to happen at one point, but, um, Like, I feel like as long as they kind of, like, (laughs) are not all injured at the same time again, like, I feel like once they're fully healthy, it's like we're only going to probably have them maybe for, like, one game, maybe two. But I'm not – I don't feel like we'll ever have, like, a fully healthy, like, complete roster for consistency, like, for very long until maybe the playoffs, unfortunately. But um, when they do come back, we'll be for sure fine. I remember before, too, I used to always say, like, a fully healthy heat team 
um, is honestly terrifying and scary. Like, I feel like that kind of puts fear into the East overall. It's kind of like, okay, well, if they're, if they're good, like, and they're all healthy, then we have to like step it up more. Cause like, even if they're not that healthy right now, they're still equally as scary or intimidating. So then with everyone back and the kennel full blown, you know, barking, then I feel like people are going to be like, oh, okay, okay, maybe we should, you know, try a little bit harder and not try to underestimate them. Cause I feel like now it's more kind of like a, like an intimidation game. Um, it's more kind of like, uh, instead of, you know, trying to be like, oh, like we have all these stats and all these like really cool things, especially whenever, like if Duncan has an off night, they're like, oh, well, like you're Duncan, like per, per they suck and that's because of the stats, but it's like, no, but we have that intimidation factor that whenever we come in, we're here to play. So it's like, yeah, our stats might've sucked the previous game, but today's a new day and we're going to be amazing. And if we're all healthy, even worse, you know? So it's like, it's more kind of like, watch out. So I feel like that's the main thing that I feel is going to come back once everyone is like the full roster is back. Then I feel like the, just like the fear will be reinstilled into the East. Yeah. I feel like even the Nets, like, yeah, I'm sure the Nets have that star quality. Kyrie is like in the little corner, maybe coming back. Um, But even then I feel like they won't underestimate like the talent that is on the team that they have to step it up, even if they have all the star, the star power that they can, you know? But, um, but yeah, I feel like that's, that's, yeah, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Now I agree a hundred percent with you guys. And you know what, what's my opinion? I honestly do believe that like when we get this team fully healthy, that it's going to be scary hours for the league, You, you know, like to have played as good as we've been against these other teams. Now it's obviously it's been a messy season so far, and we will talk about that in the next topic, but I just got to say, you know, I've always been a big fan of what this heat team is going to bring, you know, before the season started. And I just really can't wait when we're fully healthy. Cause imagine all these guys, like you got Jimmy, you got Bam, you got Victor, you know, you got PJ, you got everyone, like everyone fully healthy, all hands on deck, you know, Tyler, Duncan Robinson, like this team is just so amazing. Like, I feel like we can't just, you know, go through an episode without talking about how good some of these players really are. Like, not only our main guys, but also the guys who come off the bench. Like, this episode, we're probably calling it the Gabe Vincent Show. And whoever thought we'd do an episode like that? You know, we and we literally did our last episode. You know, it was a Caleb Martin appreciation episode. And so when you see, you know, how talented some of these guys are, You know, I think you just can't help but be so excited when you think about how talented each and every one of these players are on this team. So, you know, I just really cannot wait to see this team being fully healthy because it's going to be one of the best things that we're going to see throughout this season. But anyways, I don't want to waste too much time. So now I want to talk about the league in general, as it appears that every team in the NBA has been dealing with some sort of COVID case. We've been seeing all kinds of players, coaches, and others get put into safety protocols, including some of the best players in the league, like Giannis, James Harden, and LeBron. The Heat have also been dealing with the same issues as well, as Caleb Martin this season has not played for the Heat after having his masterpiece of the game against the Bucks last week. Seeing how the league has been impacted by COVID, do you guys believe the league should shut down to prevent more cases or do you guys have any other solutions in mind what do you think brian 
Uh, I mean, if you ask me, I'm shutting down the league for approximately six weeks, however long it takes for Bam to get back. Uh, but that probably <laughs> that probably won't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that what they're probably going to do eventually is there's going to be a little bit of a moratorium, uh, maybe a couple of weeks after Christmas, I would bet, because I, I think that they probably want that Christmas money in those Christmas games. Um, I'm I'm no doctor though, so I can't. I don't know what guidelines would be would be best, but I think that it might be a good idea for the league and the players to talk about like, okay, so we know that cases are rising. Let's make sure everyone gets the booster shots, um, and then after that, let's let's talk about like outside of you know outside of work activities. Like maybe maybe for the rest of the season, the players can't you know, go to clubs or, you know, being super crowded spaces. I mean, they're already at games. So, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's better, maybe there's better screening of fans. Like let's make sure all the fans have booster shots. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be stuff like that, like, you know, kind of working around the periphery and trying to figure out like where can we potentially cut out spaces in which someone could potentially catch COVID? Can we prevent the players from getting it on the outside and bringing it in? Can we make sure, can we limit the exposure from the fans? I think that there's still some arenas that don't require everybody to be vaccinated, so let's get that tightened up. Um, it's going to be a lot of that. And even then, it may not work because, you know, at the end of the day, it's an incredibly infectious disease, and there's just not much the NBA or humanity at large can do to stop it, you know, outside of, like, massive sweeping policies and the fact is not to get too political but the fact is that a lot of this isn't even on the nba a lot of it is just how america you know perceives of the virus in general and if people aren't going to get vaccinated and not you know do the things that are going to keep them safe then it's always going to be around there's always going to be some new mutation or you know something that's going to get to the players eventually so I unfortunately think that this is something that's just beyond what the NBA can handle. Um, there's going to be, you know, band-aids on, you know, the cuts that pop up, but I, I just don't really see a way for this to be handled in a, in a really effective, efficient way, unfortunately. Right. And then how do you feel, Kaylee? Uh, yeah, so if it was my choice, if I was Adam Silver, <laughs> I would actually like kind of shut everything down for a few weeks, at least, at least like just for a little while. Like, it's just, I feel like once you kind of get it more control, so we can at least stop the spread, at, like that's like the bare minimum to stop the spread, because obviously right now it's going kind of rabid, like everywhere. And that's really concerning because it's like when once you're like having teams that barely have like any players like 10 to 7 players um or like yeah so 7 to 10 players that I can only play that day and then they want those players that are potentially have the virus to play and it's like against healthy players that's like guys that's kind of just dumb at this point like we should just stop for a second let everyone like kind of regain their immune system give them all the break because the thing is too like we don't we don't think about too much about how they're literally playing like a lot like a lot of physical activity also like kind of hinders a lot of like when it comes to healing and like your body like trying to like you know catch up with itself um and with the traveling too like they're probably barely sleeping you know so it's like 
none of this this whole recipe that we're kind of dealing with right now is not the best for like anyone like not for the fans not for the staff not for the players not for the organization in general so it's like if we just pause a little bit for like a little tiny bit I feel like that'll like make the world a difference and um and it would make sense that they would do it after Christmas because like of course they're not going to want to get like that's a big cash grab that I feel like I'm sure they're not going to you know, just do it before that. That'd be really stupid. So it's like I'm pretty sure it's fine. Maybe, hopefully, in January. But I don't know because I feel like you know, ticket sales have already been spent. Arenas have already been booked. It's it's so complicated. So that's why I'm like, I understand why like they don't do it because it's it's a very like hard thing to make everything work together because there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to this. But people are getting more and more sick. And it's just getting worse. So I hope that they do something rather than just kind of just avoiding it and pretend like it's not happening or it's not an an issue, at least. You know, I want them to at least like acknowledge it's an issue, have some sort of plan of like what to do and possibly give them maybe a little bit of a break. But we'll see, you know. Right. And you, George? Yeah, it's 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 a difficult situation because we've got to. I have to separate both of my personalities where one of them is very orientated towards, you know, my mental health is screaming, don't you dare stop the games because I don't know what I'm going to do without watching basketball. But then I, realistically, there's going to be a point drawn. We, we saw today that De'Aaron Fox went down within healthy safety protocols. Um, and Bede was just in there. Um, you got a lot. Russell Westbrook today was in healthy safety. You got to stop. You got to stop at some point and say, what are we going to do that that's for best for our players and for the future of the league? Because you can't let it get to a point where teams are playing with six, seven men and we're canceling games. That's what, that's the opposite of what the league wants. Obviously um, they're going to want to stop before Christmas, uh, stop after Christmas because Christmas is their biggest, besides the all-star game, the playoffs, their biggest, um, you know, um, uh, cash revenue time. Which is which would be a horrible thing to miss out on for the NBA, in, in all seriousness, because they can't lose any more money after they, they've done for the last two years. So, I would stop in January. I think it'd be good for the Heat as well. Like if we can wait um, two to three weeks, that takes two to three weeks off the time that Bam needs to get healthy and Depot comes back on the court. So, if we stop and we get healthy. It's also another positive for us, but I would ideally let the league go until Christmas, which only a few days away. Um, and then in January after the new year, they have to look at um, tidying something up because it's getting out of hand at the moment. A lot of teams are got <clears throat> going without extremely crucial players. So it's, um, yeah, I, I think you've got to stop it. Right. And, you know, it's honestly such an interesting situation because, you know, we've never been in this type of situation before in all these years in the league. You know, this is the 75th, 75th season of the NBA. You know, we've never seen something like this. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what Adam Silver is going to decide. You know, knowing the fact that he let the Heat and Bulls play, it's like, I don't know, what what would he decide for this type of situation? You know, like there's, it's really hard to decide. And especially when the playoffs come around. Because the last thing you need is for, like, one of the best players in the league. Like, hypothetically speaking, like, there's a game seven between two of the best teams in the league. 
and you hear that one of the best players on one of the teams ends up having to miss that game seven because like they're in health and safety protocols. And that's like something you don't want to have to deal with. So, you know, it's just such an interesting situation. And I really wish I had an idea of my own that I could share with you guys, but it's just, I just really don't know what to say regarding what the NBA should do. You know, should they take time off? Should they do this? Should they do that? You know, we'll see what Adam Silver decides, but for me, I really just don't know what they should do. So, you know, getting into this next topic, though, I want to now focus back on the Heat because it's time to do another segment of the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. To those who are listening to the pod for the first time, this is when we pick one Heat player who really stood out the most this past week. So with that being said, who's your Spotlight Player of the Week, Kaylee? Well, mine is Gabe Vincent, for sure. That, that guy has been extremely surprising and like and a pleasant surprise at that. Like, I feel like I remember a lot of jokes were being made last night um, and Sex and Twitter about like, or not even both, just NBA Twitter, um, about how like he's like basically like the new AI. And I was like, that's honestly hilarious. And honestly, I'm all for it. I'm like, if that's what it's like, if that's what he's like hoping to be, that's kind of amazing um and uh I remember too like on the broadcast last night they were talking about his about about his Olympic run and that like reminded me whenever I'd like watched whenever like he was on the team in on Nigeria and like how like he like he basically beat the U.S. for one game too that was also like kind of cool to remember so yeah like Gabe Gabe is doing amazing he has such like a bright future from if he keeps playing at this caliber and keeps surprising us like this. It's like very exciting. And I just, it's just also super exciting that he's doing that with the heat. And, um, but yeah, I just hope to see like what else he can surprise us with. Cause I feel like we're not, I feel like we haven't tapped everything that he can do yet, which is really fun. So yeah. Right. And you, George. Yeah. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to, I'm going to say PJ Tucker because Gabe Vizzle was the player of the game last last game, and that's there's no doubt about that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go PJ because you can't play a game that revolves around both sides of the floor without a defensive anchor. And with Bam gone and Jimmy gone and Deep Deeper still out, we've we've very much relied on him to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Puts his body on the line every single game. He's shooting. For the month, fifty-two percent from three. So he can. He's been shooting great. He passes well for for a player in his position. Rebounds extremely well for a player of his height. But he allows Gabe Vincent to do what he needs to do because it's a game of runs. And when you're getting stops, and then you're on the fast break, it allows Gabe Vincent to get in the positions that he wants to be. He gets to, he gets to put the ball on the ground to to go to the rim. He gets really, really good looks. But PJ allows his team to operate at the highest level possible. And he he nearly won us the game in Cleveland. I'm not saying that it was close, but I'm saying he was doing all he could. And he looked fantastic. Last game looked just as good. Maybe not scoring-wise, scoring but he is the best defender we've got on this team. He does it day in, day out. And... I can't give praise to anyone else but him. Right. And you, Brian? 
Wait, okay, yeah. So before I go, I had a thing on the last topic. I just it's it, I'll make it quick. But basically, in the eighties, there were about four billion people on Earth. Now there's over seven billion, right? Which means that there's way more opportunity for viruses to, you know, not only show up but mutate. Um, so if you're the NBA, I think that you kind of have to look at the fact that there's a growing population. There's going to be probably more opportunities, more times where we have viruses that pop up that are going to affect your players and affect your league. Um, and one of the things that you can do now to maybe help, you know, what's going on now and the future pandemics that you'll face is invest in research, invest in finding out how, you know, we can best combat diseases because it's going to, it's going to come up. It's going to come up again. And, you know, you need really, really smart people trying to, you know, figure out ways to combat these diseases. But outside of that, my player of the uh, my, my spotlight player is going to be Duncan Robinson. I think I picked him last time. I don't know. But man, he's he's bounced back. He's bounced back as of late. And, you know, I think we've all talked about how, like, I don't think anybody who had rightfully criticized Duncan thought that he was just some guy who couldn't play anymore. Like, I think a lot of it was in his head. Um, I don't know if those issues are fixed, but his shooting has really, really come around. And I think that he's having moments where even if it's not, he's still doing other things on the court to be a solid basketball player. And if that stays, if he's something close to the Duncan that we saw the previous two years, um, you know, with Jimmy and Bam and Hero and Oladipo coming back, that really really changes things um you know they were really good with duncan struggling so imagine what they're going to look like if duncan is you know hitting you know at the high 30s or in the low 40s uh from three you know and really really giving them that space and that gravity that he had in the previous two years um so i'm really really hoping he, he can keep that ball rolling i'm hoping that you know he's kind of out of his slump because uh this team needs him this team needs him they want to hit that that second level right and you know i know george you have something you want to add but before you do that i just want to quickly give on my player of the week uh so for me personally since everyone has good answers i'm gonna pick a different answer of my own i'm gonna say Dwayne deadman especially because he bowled out in his last game against philly an interesting statistic that he versus haters tweet at, tweeted out was joel Embiid was three of ten from the field when defended by Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman, on the other hand, was four of six from the field when defended by Joel Embiid. So, you know, I know it's not much, but like, I feel like this just shows you how much of an impact Dwayne Dedman has. And he's also a dog himself. You know, he's also a part of that kennel. And you just love the energy he brings to this team. And I know, um, uh, George, you said it earlier that, you know, you always felt that he'd be a good addition to this team dating back to when he was on the Magic. And for him to be here, I didn't think he'd have this much of an impact on the Heat. But to see how he's, you know, been such a huge part of what this team is trying to build, you know, that tough mentality, you know, that Heat culture and everything, you know, he's just been amazing, especially in this game against Philly and throughout this week. So I'm going to give the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week award to Dwayne Dedman and to... Everyone who's listening to this pod on the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel, we would love to hear your spotlight Heat Player of the Week as well. So just go in the comments and 
let us know who do you think deserves to be the spotlight Heat player of the week. So now, George, I know you got something you want to add. Yeah, I was reading something as we, um, as we were uh, starting up before, and Ira was saying Duncan signed a contract with the massive with the massive raise. His trade restriction is lifted on January fifteenth. Now, I want to pose a question to all of you: Would you trade Duncan Robertson if the right player arose? I mean, if I, I'll go up first for this one, I mean, yeah, you know, like if the, like I said, if the right player came up, I think he would. I mean, there's no question that needs to be asked about it because at the end of the day, you know, the question is obviously who would be that player, you know, for if Pat Riley can find a good deal for a certain guy. And if that deal involves Duncan Robinson, you know, you know he'll do it. You know, I don't think he has that type of attachment where he's not going to let a player go just because of this or that. Just one thing Heat fans need to know is Pat Riley's going to make a good deal for if he has to trade Duncan Robinson. You know, he's not going to trade him for some random scrub or anything like that. So, like, if I'm just saying because I do see the most random trade machine scenarios from Heat Twitter now and there that don't really make any sense. So I'm just making it clear, and I'll say it one more time. Pat Riley is going to make a trade, and it, if he does make a trade for, like, Duncan Robinson or whoever down the line, you know, it's going to be an actual good trade. It's not just going to be, you know, D-Rob to another team for a bag of chips. So wh- whether if you've been impressed with his performance or if you're still upset that there are games where he doesn't play that good, you know, it's important that you know this. So that's that's what I got to say about it. What about you guys? Yeah, I would trade Doug Robinson. I mean, I, I like him. I like him as a player. He seems like a cool dude. I mean, I don't know him personally. He could be, could be a jerk. But, uh, yeah, like if the right player comes along, the right deal, of course. He's not an untouchable guy. I mean, he has a really valuable skill set. Um, that's for sure. But at the same time, like – you can find shooters like he's a really, really good shooter, but you can find shooters and some of them will play defense. So he has a pretty thick contract would uh, fit in nicely. If there was a really big deal to be made or if it was more of a, you know, we're not getting like a star, but we're getting some good pieces. I'm cool with that too. And I, I, I don't actually expect Duncan Robinson to stay with the heat throughout the tenure of his contract. Um, and I would imagine that Pat Riley or Eric Spolster or whoever else would probably not feel super attached to Duncan if his name had to come up in the deal that made the team better. And how about you, Clippy? Clippy? <laughs> oh, um, Sue, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Culture Shaw got me mixed damn. up. How about you, Kaylee? <laughs> how about you, Kaylee? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> So uh, my opinion with that is um, I, I feel like if a trade did come along, it is I would not be too like I would want to trade him. Yeah, I, I feel like I would just want to trade him just because of that contract. That contract literally is like it's a pain to always see, you know, it's like, damn, like that's a, I mean, like, that's a lot of money, you know. So it's like if we can really just get like another player that I don't know how it's just like a better fit or like maybe more reliable on shooting or something like that for even like less perhaps maybe I was like that honestly be kind of great and I'm not against that at all and I agree with what everyone else said about how like the attachment 
figure thing I don't think it's going to really be like a factor at all because like again it's more about like what can make the team better it's not really about like personally like Duncan yeah you suck like no it's not about that it's about like this will genuinely make the heat better so sorry go pack your bags goodbye so that yeah that's that's my opinion Jeez, you're going right at the point. You didn't got to say all that packed in the bags. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I do agree with you guys about, you know, the whole, what's it called, making the trade for the right player. You know, that's what we got to do. And I know Pat Riley's not afraid to do that. And I know, George, you want to give your point of view of the whole situation? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a quick. I was looking at a trade before. I was – um. As you know, we got a massive time difference and I woke up way too early. I saw seven o'clock and then woke up at six and then realized it's not till 11 my time. So I had a lot of time to do what I wanted to do. So <laughs> I was sitting on the trade finder and I was looking at a trade for um, Malcolm Brogdon um, from Indiana. They've, there's been reports and guarantees that they're looking to sell and not just, they're not, they're not just in the offseason in um, uh, the trade deadline. Malcolm Brogdon on this team would just make a whole bunch of sense. A guy that was, you know, he was drafted low, lower than he should have. One, he played amazing in his rookie season. Got dropped by Milwaukee. They won a championship. And he's been balling out in Indiana. Now, if Indiana wants to make a deal for him, I think Duncan Robinson would be the center center piece because he is still of a of a, a good age, twenty seven, I think, or twenty eight. Um, he's not on a horrible contract, and if you want to get off that contract for Malcolm Brogdon, you're going to have to absorb something. I think that we've we've got one first round pick as well. I think if we can attach a first, a second Duncan and another player, um, I don't know which player that would be, but someone of a lesser quality, then I would pull the pin instantly. But that's Pat Riley's decision. That's why he's at the helm. That's why he does what he does. So yeah, well, we'll just see. We'll have to see what happens with him. Right, you know, and like I said, you know, like Pat Riley will do what's best for the team. So, you know, we just got to trust the Godfather for that. And, you know, now I just want to sort of speed things up. And that's by going into this final topic. So just in case you guys didn't know already, the Heat's upcoming game will be against none other than the second worst team in the league. And that is the Orlando Magic. Miami will most likely be shorthanded for this game as well as Bam is still recovering from his thumb surgery, along with Jimmy, who will more than likely miss this game too as he continues to heal from his tailbone injury. So with all that in mind, what's everyone's expectations for this game? And do you guys think the Heat get the win? What's your take, Kaylee? Um, I think we'll be fine. Um, Hopefully. I hope that, like, because Magic can get kind of like weird sometimes I don't know what it is I feel like maybe they can just go on a run randomly and then we can like not catch up or something I don't know I just feel like the magic has some magic tricks sometimes (laughs) Um, but (laughs) we should be fine I'm sure that it'll just be a good game that we can kind of take a little bit easier than say like yeah the Sixers or say like the Nets or something you know so it's like we can take a little bit easier a little bit slower try new things um and just try to have a good solid game and not make it all awkward um but yeah just like cautiously having a decent game that's what i hope right and how about you brian uh i mean yeah the heat are shorthanded in terms of personnel but the magic is shorthanded in terms of talent and skill so i think the heat will be fine the magic aren't good uh, they, I think it's going to be a pretty 
solid victory. Plus, I kind of expect Hero to come back. So if Hero if Hero's back, then I'm not even worried about the magic. Ryan, how about you, George? Now this is a weird matchup for me because I, I, you know me personally, I don't make any predictions after the Boston Celtics prediction that we made, where everyone was just going, "Ah, oh, yeah, easy win," and then we got destroyed. So I don't make predictions, um, but I, we are shorthanded. That we can't overlook that Tyler Heroes listed as questionable, along with Emmy at seven. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting game because it's much like the Cavs, they live on the inside. The only thing that they do better than us is score more points points just in the paint, and they get a half a more rebound than we do. We outscore them, we outsteal them, we outblock them, we outturn over them. So we get less turnovers than them. We shoot the ball better in, in every single asset, um, aspect. But with all of our players out, Dwayne Dedman and I hope Amir is in are going to have to put work in because Wendell Carter and and Mo Bamba, they live on the paint. They live in the paint and they do very very good. Good work, you know. Cole Anthony's. I don't know if he's in for this game. Um, I don't know why I would think he wouldn't be, but um, he, he he's a good player. And if we're talking stars, that's that's the star right there. So it's going to be a um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think that we do. If I'm going to have to make a prediction, I think that we take them to a very difficult place when it comes to guarding our shooters because on the perimeter they can't do much there. So. I'm going to say that we'll win if I have to make a prediction. I don't know how close it'll be, though. I think it'll be very pretty close. Right. And you know what? I'm also going to predict the Heat win, I think. And let's see. I mean, the Magic, I think I've gotten rid of most of their random scrub Heat killers. It's really just Terrence Ross. But even then, there's only so much that he can do. So, yeah, I am also expecting a Heat win. You know, I expect our guys to bowl out. And there's nothing more that really needs to be said. I mean, when you're talking about Orlando, like I said earlier, this is the second worst team in the NBA right now. So I expect Miami to show up and do what they got to do. And, you know, this is great, you know, because after this, you got Detroit, another game that the Heat should win, which is what makes this Philly victory even better. Because now you get to potentially not saying likely that it's going to happen because I'm not going to do any jinx or anything. But, you know, you potentially have a chance to go on a three-game winning streak. And we know how great that feeling is. So I'm also going to predict a Heat victory for this upcoming game. So now that we got that out of the way, I feel like we covered so much in this episode. Like, is there anything else you guys feel like we should hit on? I I still want chicken nuggets. All right. (laughs) I mean, so I – um. I can't do anything about that, but um, I'll send a prayer to you before I go to sleep that you get your chicken nuggets. So anyway, so with that being said, uh, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast. If you guys want to check out more content, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram at HVTW Podcast and our new website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. And to follow that, make sure to check out The Heat vs. The World's newest extension show, Culture Shock, which stars Kaylee and her co-host Clippy. And they'll have a new episode coming out soon. For more information about that, feel free to check out uh, their uh, Twitter account at CLTRShockPod. Anyways, once again, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of The Heat vs. The World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. We out.
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World Podcast.